As we see some movement at the takeoff zone, it's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry, this thing holding open, it spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with the spit, spits him out. Comes out after the spit, gets spat out of another good looking wave here. Spit, spit, spit. We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, I got yeah, guy. Yeah, freaking guy. David Lee Scales. Scott Bass with you. Spit. We are riffing. We're just taking topics off the top of our head and just going with it. We're spitballing. We have no research. We have done no research. Prepared zero notes. Zero notes <clears throat> available to us. Everything that comes out of our mouths from this point forward is completely stream of consciousness regurgitated from what i've viewed on instagram over the last seven days exactly so look we've we've laid it out there turn off your show now if you don't want to listen spit we're spitballing nice it's tuesday i like your um, new policy of transparency scott i just that that in it that policy was stream of consciousness i had no (laughs) i had no plan of uh saying that but it happened um, we need a couple of shout outs at the top of the show. Surfing Heritage and Culture Center is our home studio. Where's the board, bro? <laughs> Dude, it's too much to lug around. Oh my God. David bought this insane board. I guess my show that Interface. he does with me is probably the only one that he doesn't use it with. I give you the crappy equipment. Oh my no, God. it's too much to lug around. Um, I would like to <laughs> what leave does it. That mean? I have a suitcase <laughs> dedicated for it. Is it a, I mean, so it's not mobile. It's not a mobile board. It takes 20 anything. minutes to set up, literally. Where do you use it? I want to know. I'm not well, I'm feeling. I'm jealous. I want to leave it here permanently. Is kind of what I want to do. Oh, I see. Um, and here by here, I mean Surfing Heritage and Culture Center, Shack.org, um, the Smithsonian of Surfing, and where we record all of our podcasts, Scott. And then um, also making this show possible, NeedEssentials.com and SpyOptic.com. Use promo code podcast. They keep us in business. What do you got there? Um, well, I just want to make sure everyone knows that Shaq is having a celebration of surf exploration on Saturday, June 15th, 2019. I like surf exploration. It's called Beyond the Horizon. Mm. A celebration of surf exploration. It's their Ohana Gala. So it's their yearly oh, yeah. big you know, to-do. And it's honoring Dick Metz, Craig Peterson... Kevin Naughton, Martin Daly, and Liz Clark. And Sweet. it all takes place at the Huntington Harbor Yacht Club. I know where that is. So anyway. Newly renovated. Check that out. Beyond the Horizon. Um, the Ohana Gallery. How's your diet going? My diet's going good. You're still, still steadfast. St- very steadfast. Although I had a small slice of chocolate cake last night with a small bit of vanilla ice cream for a birthday celebration. So, Did it ruin you? No, I felt guilty. I didn't feel good about it. It was forced upon me. Okay. But I did it. So the the detriment was the guilt, not so much a physical detriment? I mean, it was a small little slice. But still, sometimes when I cut stuff out for a month and then I have like one slice of cheese, I'm like ruined. Yeah, you know what's ruining me is lack of bread. Like I love, oh, like really? my wife brought home this insane cheese bread from some famous bakery near Mammoth Mountain. And... It was just, it smelled so ridiculously good, you know, after she toasted it. And then she lathered it in some insane, like, salty butter mm. and came out. And it was just wafting in front mm. of me. And I was just cringing. Butter and salt. I couldn't mm. watch the television. It was all, it was taking over. Yeah. 
So bread is your hardest. What was that day? His vice, yeah. Uh, by the way, one of my favorite memes that just reminded me about, <laughs> I'm all about memes, dude. They're like I, such, yeah, I mean, there's been great inventions in our life. The internet, iPhone, but memes. Internal combustion engine. That, that's not during our life, but, but <laughs> memes are arguably the greatest of them all, right. you know? I mean, it's like, it's artwork. It's like, it's artwork that represents the zeitgeist of a culture in What's zeitgeist help me out with that zeitgeist is the mentality of you know the uh, the, the current, ethos the current kind of feeling and contemporary culture ethos yeah themes yeah exactly just it's kind of in the ether but it's we're all feeling it we're right. all knowing it we're okay. all you know Good word. but it, so um so memes memes they the represent same. that like you you see a meme and it's literally one image and maybe a line of text but it represents this entire feeling that we're all experiencing, you know, or whatever. It makes so much sense. Yeah, it's like, I, f- I really, this sounds like a joke, but honestly, they will become like hieroglyphs. In the future, when like historians wow. look back at this era, That's interesting. memes are what they're going to use to understand what we were feeling. That's a great way to look at it. I really think so. I think you're right. Yeah, it sounds silly. And just think when they, like, when they miss, um, you know, when they're, interpreting it when they misinterpret a meme you know totally. like in, in three thousand years of like there's president trump with a, and he's next to a chimpanzee it's his totally. love for the primates exactly or an orangutan who knew exactly Apparently the president had orangutans at the white <laughs> that's totally true um but the other thing is like there, wait, th- here's the other great you were saying that this reminded I, you of a meme i'll get to that i'll get to that bring me back to it if i forget but the other great thing about memes, or the interesting thing, is that they're anonymous. Yeah. Like, who knows? Our favorite memes that we've ever seen, who made them? We have no idea. No. They're just so there's these anonymous artists That's doing these things, great. and they're amazingly good at what they do. Like, the genius of a meme is all in the very precise language. Yes. You know? And they nail the language. So it's like these writers, these really sophisticated, good writers, and artists because they're incorporating imagery into it and they're anonymous by the way it's crazy i have a meme t-shirt that's going to be for sale at the boardroom I that doesn't qualify a- as a meme dude. oh it doesn't okay no. i was gonna say i think it's a meme no what is it well it's a pop art line art of a you know like a pretty girl on the phone and she's kind of crying like the close-up of her yeah, face the close-up yeah. of her face, and she's on the phone and then there's a text bubble next to yep. her, and it says, Joey, I'd say yes, but you ride a wave storm. <laughs> All right. Maybe that is a meme. Would you buy that shirt? Yeah. Because it's going to be for sale. It's at the funny. Boardroom. Who made it? I did. You, that's your joke? Yeah. So you're actually a non-anonymous memester. Well, now I am. Meme lord. Thank you very much. Yeah. Way to out me. You outed yourself. But wait, there was a bread meme. Okay. So the bread, meme, bread yeah, meme? the bread meme, it's, it's just a line of text, and it goes... Man, I love toast. Who is the genius that took a bite out of bread and said, cook it again? <laughs> Unreal. That is a good one. Uh, yeah, and the, the part that you brought up about we don't know who these guys are, the an- anonymity of the meme creators is fascinating, right? Because there could just be some dude that's super antisocial but is just brilliant at it. You know, Sitting in his the, mom's basement. basement. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and he's the um, savant of memes, but you know he he like dribbles on himself, and he can't, you know. Like, yeah, but he's just an insane memester. Yeah, word meme lord. 
A meme lord? Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah. Or did you just make that? No, it's real. Are they called meme lords? Yeah. Wow. I heard that the the guy, the Russians, the, the guys that are on social media during 2016 that were creating all these insane memes for the Trump campaign. Well, that's what I heard, that they're like really good memesters, meme lords. Okay. Yeah. Getting paid by the Russians? Yeah, getting paid by, yeah, whoever, yeah. you know, like no one will admit it, but they made all these insane memes like about Hillary and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Just, like kind of spot on. You know? <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Uh, straight from the Mueller report, Scott. Wow. You, did you get the redacted copy? I, Is that? I, the- thankfully, I have not been following the news at all. I'm kind of over it. Yeah. Um, well, I'm glad that your diet is going well, despite um, yes. not being able to participate in bread. Um, today I got yoga, hot yoga today at four. How many days a week do you do it? Two, if I'm lucky. I should be doing three. Okay. I think last week I only did one, but I need to. I need. I have today scheduled. Okay, so I got a couple of emails about your diet. <laughs> well, no one. Good. No, no, no. It was all really positive. One of them was um, somebody who I'd met. He, I've seen him at the boardroom show and stuff. He's introduced himself, but he said that he's been on that same regimen for the last three months and he's lost a bunch of weight. Feels way better, and. Um, I don't think I admitted it to you on air, but I told him I did it in January. No, maybe it was February. Yeah, it was February. I did one month with like no alcohol, no grains, no dairy. And I did feel tremendously better, but that feels like such a distant memory to me now. You know? I, know. <laughs> like, I see some of your Instagrams. You're eating well. You're like a, a Roman senator, you know? Like, it's, it is. You're, you're like lying around. Beautiful girls are throwing grapes in your mouth. You're drinking wine pretty gluttonous <laughs> i'm living a hedonistic lifestyle dude and i'm not proud of it but then i do the intermittent fasting like I, every single day out of guilt no no no. i do it out of uh discipline like every single day so i only i eat all my calories within eight hours basically so i feel like that maybe I, I don't know a doctor will probably he's probably shaking his head at me right now listening um but here's the other thing yeah. dude. i don't yeah. i don't eat poorly like i don't eat yeah. processed food right. i might eat fats yeah and dairy what does that mean like cheese sure cheese yeah. a fatty ribeye you know stuff like I, that I eat ribeye. yeah I eat steak yeah exactly that's where i'm getting my protein i know so when i'm saying i'm yeah a glutton it's i'm bringing in a lot of calories probably but it's not processed food i don't eat fast food you know oh, stuff like I that can't even yeah smell i don't eat food. yeah exactly just grosses me out. Speaking of fasting, you know who has an, I don't know if he still does this. And you and I may, we might have spoken about this before, but Dave Rostovich, I don't know, again, I don't know if he still does this, but, you know, 10 years ago or whatever, when, when I, I did a couple trips and he was in, he was on him, um, he would, I think it was like Tuesday, he would not talk, no talking. Wow. A no talking Tuesday. And he did it every Tuesday. He just didn't talk. Wow. And I think that same day, all I did was drink water. Huh. Yeah. And I'm, again, I don't know. Can what, you text? <laughs> I don't know. That is a, that, this was before then. Like this was, no, they were probably I, he, texting, but this was probably around 2004. Honestly, I don't think he has a cell phone to this day. Yeah. Because I, mutual friends have told me. Yeah. Good um, for him. So he I'm jealous text. of guys that don't have Facebook, don't have social media, that have a flip phone. Like to me, that's kind of like, you're ahead of the game. You totally. know what I mean? Totally. Could you pull it off? I think I could. I do. I think I could. I'm not. Yeah, I think I could. Hmm. Consider it. I mean, if I didn't have work, I could. Well, then you can't. No. 
But I could go flip phone. Not really, though. Why would you do that, though? What's the well, point? Just so you're I not guess on so social just media? just not, like, looking and picking up your phone all the time. You know, like, they have that screen time thing on yeah. the iPhone app where it tells you how much screen time, like... How embarrassing is it? Should I just look at mine right now? Every like I'm randomly looking. Yeah, go. I I haven't looked. I don't even know where to find it. Is under settings? I don't know. Every time though, it pops up for me. I'm mortified at how much time I've spent, and it'll say down 23 percent from last week, but it's still five hours a day. Okay, let me see what it says here. Um, I'm okay. The last seven days. Yeah. My screen time is three hours and 34 minutes per day. Yeah, that's crazy. And it's down 20% from last week. Yep. So think about that. Three hours of your day. What could you get done? See, I don't understand what screen time means. Like, does it mean my phone's on? Like, it doesn't necessarily mean I'm looking at it, does it? Or is that when you pick it up? When you open it up. When you push the home button at the middle and open your phone up. Okay, messages is nine hours of that time. So my weekly total is 24 hours and 58 minutes. 25 hours a week. Three hours, nine hours and 20 minutes was messages. By far and away the biggest amount. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. It's disturbing. Yeah. Well, you don't need a flip phone. You could just create boundaries with your phone or delete Instagram or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, that's a pretty boring topic. No, it's not. I think My it's relatable, screen. actually. Um, I thought that it's interesting that Dave Rostovich has a Tuesday of no talking and water only. Yeah, no, it's fascinating. It's absolutely fascinating. Um, So a couple of things. You were at the Surfer Reunion, Surfer Mag Reunion. That was cool. I need to talk about my mid-length, which is a surfboard that I've been riding. Um, As opposed to a girlfriend? (laughs) What's her name? Mid-length? That's not, yeah. Um, It's not the joke I was making, but. um, Oh, my God. Wow. Anyways, what was the Surfer Mag party like? What was it exactly? <laughs> Way to catch up, Scott. What a segue. Way to catch From up. From your mid-length to the Surfer Magazine party. <laughs> Way to catch up, dude. Hey, you know, I'm a little slow. Talk to me. Uh, the Surfer Mag party was cool. So there was a reunion. Steve Hawk and I think Ben Marcus um, organized it along with Don Meek and the people here at Shack, the Surfing Heritage and Culture Center. So basically it was just... A lot of the people from, you know, 10, 20, 30 years, 40 years ago that worked at Surfer Magazine. So there was a lot of, um, you know, stories and fun talk and just it was good to see people you hadn't seen in a long time, you know. Um, but it was cool. There was a, and, and I, I should take this time, as I did on Facebook earlier, to thank Steve Hawk and Evan Slater, who brought me into the fold at Surfer Magazine just randomly and it changed my life for the better in so many ways. Like my life wouldn't be, I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for this chance meeting with Steve Hawk and Evan Slater in Mexico one random day. I think I've told you that story. No, I don't know you that don't story. You don't know the story? No. So it's like 1995 or 96, and I'm down at South Sepuedes by myself. And there's supposed to be a big North Swell coming. But it hasn't really hit yet, and I'm the only guy in the water, and the tide's high. But every once in a while, there's a wave coming in that's wrapping around the point. And I'm just sitting there, and I'm surfing, and I'm by myself. And I see these guys up on the hill, like eight guys. And I'm like, oh, great, eight dudes checking it out, you know, like two cars full, you know. And there's enough waves, and I'm catching waves that, that they're like, well, I don't know what they were thinking. But eventually, they scrambled down the hill and paddled out, right? And it's 
Rob Keith, the photographer, he's in the water for Surfer Magazine. It's Evan, Steve Hawk, and some other other guys. I, I can't even remember who the pro surfers were. There's some B-level guys. I don't even know. Saxon or somebody. I don't know. <laughs> Burn, dude. <laughs> uh, Saxon's a great surfer. Mean forehand carve, dude. He's a great surfer. It doesn't mean that he was... He's not an A-lister. He's a, a B-lister is an upgrade. No. And then there was me, who was a D-lister. I was just a guy from North County surfing, right? And I could have made a big stink. They paddled out, and they were kind of like, hey, sorry to invade your... You know, because I was by myself. And I was like, nah, it's all good. It's cool, whatever, you know. And and so everything was groovy. And then on the beach, on the cliff there, I was desuiting. New word. <laughs> taking off my wetsuit. And... And there's this tall, gangly guy next to me, and I don't know who Steve Hawk is, but I know the name. I'm like, oh, this... And and I looked on his board, and it said Steve Hawk. And I'm like, oh, you're Steve Hawk. He's like, yeah, hi, you know, thanks for sharing waves with us or whatever. And we got to talking, and I was like, yeah, blah, blah, blah. I do some writing. You know, he's like, well, if, if you want an internship, you know what? Call me up. Here's my name. Here's my number, you know? No way. Yeah. And that chance meeting on the cliff at South Sopoitis with Steve Hawk led me to... Basically, being here with you today, amazing. Yeah. So you had you said you do some writing at that time. What had you been writing? I you was just... a horrible writer. Okay, but I did do. I was I was actually in college at Cal State San Marcos, getting my Bachelor of Arts degree in writing and literature and writing okay. was my degree. So I was I was in a writing program at Cal State San Marcos. Got it. And they hired With me no a, no real direction for what you wanted your career to be or anything like that, dude. I was kind of clueless. I mean, I was just trying to get my four year degree, yeah, and go through life. Like you know, I I, I guess I was going to be a copywriter for some PR agency or something. I had no, you know, like yeah, you know. But I was on the side. I was writing all these horrible art, like horribly written articles for like the local beach rag around Got Encinitas and Del Mar. And so, what did that internship? That internship turned as soon as I graduated from college, I was offered a full time position as the website editor, which was brand new, right? Which was the brand new, was brand especially new. brand new to me. I had yeah. no idea. I couldn't even plug in a computer. I was right. just like, okay, yeah, you know. But their their feeling was, look, we want somebody with a writing background that can learn the internet rather than some geeky tech guy that we have to teach about the culture. They knew I, you know, they saw me surfing. They were like, this guy knows what's up. Like, of course. And, and plus they knew me. Evan knew me from UCSD days and surfing blacks and stuff. So, right. Or knew of me, you know, didn't know. But so the, their feeling was, let's get a guy who surfs, who understands the culture. We, we can't teach that. And we'll teach him how to do the internet. Yeah. You know? Yep. Or he'll just learn along the way, which or, is what I did. Or everybody's learning it together at that point in kind time. Of, yeah. yeah. So fascinating. And that's, that's, that's how, and so then the surfer reunion was the other night, right? Yeah. And so I worked there from, basically they, I was an intern there in, oh, in 97. So from 97 to 07, I, I worked there. And then from 07 to 10, I was sort of shown the door in a polite way. Like, Hey, yeah, you'll just be the, there's a, there's a term for it when they, you're like the editor at large. That's mm-hmm. code for you were let go softly and we still want you around, but we're not going to pay you full time. And oh, by the way, you're. Your healthcare has been cut. <laughs> and by the way, there's a guy that's better than you, that's younger than you, that's cheaper than you, and we're hiring him. Yeah. You know, which all makes tons of sense from a business standpoint. So, yeah, yeah. So it, it was um, it was cool. You know, so it was Jeff Devine was there, Matt Warshaw was there, Sam George was there, Ben Marcus was there, 
um, older editor types like Craig Peterson was there, who was a photographer. Um, uh, Paul Holmes was there. Um, Jim Kempton, all the old editors at Surf. When I was a kid in the '70s and '80s, devouring Surfer magazine and just loved it. Those were the guys that were the editors at the time, right? You know, like, and so it was fun. And like I said, I <clears throat> I I was uh, underqualified and overpaid, <laughs> and I hung on for dear life for as long as I could. And it sent me on all these great surf trips, which was selfishly fascinating. Um, what was the vibe of the party? Was it retrospective and reminiscing, or was there any conversation about where the magazine is today, where it's going tomorrow, all that sort of stuff? I sort of just went around the periphery and didn't dive too deep into any conversation. The, the okay. best conversation I had was probably with Paul Tobley, who um, does these documentary films. I don't know if you know Paul. Yeah, I don't he know did, him personally. He did the Eddie Aikau <laughs> thing for, with Sam for ESPN. And yeah. he's done, so he's doing a new NASCAR thing, which was just, we, we got into this whole NASCAR documentary that he's doing, which is fascinating to me, this story that he was telling me about, about Dale Earnhardt and Michael Waltrip. And it's just this cool story mm. that's, that they're about, I don't know where they are. I think they're wrapping it up or something, or maybe it's going to become a feature film or something. Wow. He was dropping names, but Bradley Cooper this and, Blah, 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 that, you know, like, but I mean, it's just such Hollywood. You just never know until it yeah, gets made. Totally. But anyway, awesome. uh, Surfer Magazine reunion was cool. Very yeah, cool. It was fun. And then they had um, Corky Carroll, like, sent in a video. And then they put him up on the big screen, him saying hello to everybody. Because Corky worked at Surfer for a long time in the ad department. And um, Drew Campion sent in a video from Whidbey Island. And Matt George from Indo. It was Epic. cool. It was a lot of fun. I had fun just kind of cruising around saying hi. Yeah. And then, you know me, I was in and out because, you know. Yoga calls. Yes. Early so, mornings. Yes. Um, awesome. So, listeners have been asking about that mid-length uh, Torn Martin kind of special. Cool yeah. I showed Scott last time we were together. Uh, but I get these direct messages from listeners, and it's like, rather than replying to each of them one-on-one, I'm like, oh, I'll just talk about it at some point on the show. But I'm always apprehensive to kind of give a board review prematurely. And now I've written that board in a variety of conditions to where I feel like I kind of get it. Um, it's a 610, mid, so 610, channel bottom, twin fin. You've seen Torn Martin writing it in that footage out of J-Bay from uh, the film Thank You, Mother. Is it an exact replica? Um not an exact, but it was built to my specs. It was custom built. But like basically when Torn was here and I was going to be going to Australia the following month, I told him, I'm like, dude, I want to order one board from Simon Jones, the shaper of Morning of the Earth surfboards, and just a one board quiver for the trip. Here's the various places I'm going to be going. Like, I think I'll just get one of those fish fishes that I've seen you ride. It's like a moon tail fish. And um, Torin was like, yeah, that, that thing's amazing. And then like a week later, he sends me an email and he's like, dude, I've been thinking about it. You got to get the mid-length. Like the fish is great. You'll love it, but you already have a bunch of fish in your quiver. Like there's no point in ordering one in Australia and bringing it back home. And then it becomes one of many. You don't have any mid-lengths. And to be honest, I don't really even remember riding a mid-length. I had like a mid-length single fin at one point, but that was it. And I don't have any channel bottoms in my quiver. So he's like that board. He's like, trust me. You can surf it in one foot to head high J-Bay. It's super, like, I love that board. So I go, okay, I'll commit to that. Even though I'm a little uncomfortable committing to a mid-length, just because there's kind of a, 
feels like a Barney board, you know, like um, <laughs> like a <laughs> right. You're setting me up with all these softball pitches. Don't you there. agree? Number one, it's like well, I'm going to Byron to pick the thing up, which is a hipster area, and it's like, oh, that thing feels so hipster. Secondly, it's like, well, it's kind of there's a lot of intermediate surfers that ride that length of board. Yeah, but you got to ask yourself, so what? Exactly. So that right. I committed to it. So and frankly, but, let's be honest. You and I are mid forties, mid fifties, mid thirties. Oh, you're mid thirties. Yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> How old are you? Thirty seven. Oh. Mid thirties, mid forties, whatever. Point is, is that I mean, we don't do aerials. No, exactly. We, yeah, we just cruise. Yeah. Basically, what you do, believe it or not, really all you're doing is a bottom turn. And I kid yep. you not. Like if you watch a video of yourself, you're basically doing a bottom turn. And when you think you're going to twelve o'clock high on a real vertical snap, you're just at nine o'clock. So and you true. Think it's midnight. So it's, true. And yeah, so you nailed it. And don't all be of, ashamed of your mid length. Don't be concerned that other people give a shit because oh by the way nobody cares. Length doesn't everybody matter. Everybody's self possessed. Yeah. Well, you're absolutely right. All those things that I was saying, my judgments were superficial and more a reflection of me than they are anybody in Byron Bay or anybody who rides a mid length. You know, it's like these are my preconceived misconceptions. And a Torin, totally. And how are you going to argue with Torin, right? So it's like, you're right. You're the guy I should be taking advice from. Simon's the guy who can build the board correctly for me. Done. So I commit. <laughs> this could all be code for, hey, call David. Tell him I have a mid-length that's been sitting here for four months. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Convince him to get the mid-length. I can't get rid of it. Well, you were convinced so much that you ordered one from Ryan Sakel. So. Um, the movement is real, dude. It's not just me, but and interestingly, Ryan convinced me. Like he's like he called yeah. me and he's like, "Hey, I was thinking about what Torn Martin's been riding." Exactly. And I, because you and I both, we have so many boards. We're like, "Why not?" Yeah, that is the only thing that doesn't that my quiver needs. That's the only hole in my quiver. Right? Well, Torn was right, by the way. The thing there's brand new sensations in this board that I really haven't felt before. Um, in a combination of things that like I've felt a little bit in a board over here and a little bit in a board over there, but this kind of coalesces a lot of them the other thing is it's the first board that i remember can remember in a long time make that makes me feel like i'm a better surfer like i actually um do you think that's the volume i've ridden boards with more volume all the time and that's not true about those this it's like i let the board do what it wants to do and it makes me surf better in a weird way. I'll try to give examples, I guess. But um, back to some of the board's details. A lot of surface area front of center. Like the wide points forward, and it's even thick up by the nose. The tail gets really narrow, um, and it's channel bottom, and it has twin fins. And the fins are pretty large, Does provided by Cy- Simon. Are they glass in? No. They're futures boxes, okay. but they're not branded fins. I don't know if Simon made them or what, uh-huh. but um, th- so that narrow, and then there's like at the kind of a third way up from the tail, there's like a really straight part in the outline. So that's kind of where I find myself standing. I'm never even close to center. I find myself kind of narrow stance and back about maybe a third, maybe a quarter from the tail. Is that because of Torrin? No, it's naturally it's, your feet are narrower naturally because of the. Design. It's where the board demands you to stand. Hmm. 
I'll try to kind of spread my feet and pump the board, and it just it re- does not let you do it right. completely. Yeah. So I find when I put my feet back there, it engages the channels and like projects me forward. And you're talking about the bottom turn. The thing's all about the bottom turn. Like I'll paddle into a wave and actually kind of set the rail line before I even stand up. Like looking down the line, I'm talking about maybe going like going right is the examples I'm thinking of. Paddle into it kind of assess what the wave's doing, whether I'm going to go to the bottom, go high or whatever, like almost set the rail line before I get to my feet. And then I just pop into that position and kind of apply pressure downward. And it engages all of that channel surface and just projects like the thing, just rock it. It could be, looks like a closeout and I'll just kind of aim towards the bottom of the wave and do this long swooping bottom turn and it just projects. And before I know it, I'm like projecting up into the face of the wave. And then with the narrower tail and like the channels, it actually has a lot of responsiveness. So I'll find myself gliding towards the top and then like leaning into a turn. And it's actually like a really sharp down carve then into the next bottom turn, really long drawn out lines with no hitch in the step, like no pumping in between. Uh, Occasionally I've tried to do that. And again, the board either bogs or catches or I just look stupid and I don't go as fast as as I would have had I leaned back a little bit. So I've learned to just kind of let those things happen. And sometimes it's not a turn off the top. It'll just be like a high line. A roller coaster. Or a little total roller coasters on that thing. Because there's so much foam forward. So I'm almost, I got to the point where I was resenting the foam forward. Because I do like an, a turn and wouldn't really be able to like bank off the whitewash. Like you had speed that you wanted to put somewhere and it wasn't letting you put the speed. put. It. Yeah, like the swing weight felt good, but it wouldn't allow me to really like Get bank off the whitewash and then like redirect mm-hmm. quickly. You know, you needed to time things a little bit more planned out basically. Yeah. So then I was like thinking, well, dude, can you improve upon this by removing a lot of that surface area in the front? And then it's just, it becomes a different board. I think the swing weight is actually where a lot of the key is in the design. And so you, the deficit of that is you're not going to be able to really, like I could bank off sections, but I'm not going to like slide through them or I'm not going to, um, uh, direct backwards you know off of them or anything like that it's always kind of forward projected forward Mm -hmm. momentum but that is a minor deficit i end up having a blast yeah i don't know if it's a deficit it sounds to me like it's a board like many of my boards which is if i'm in the mood to surf the board like it's a mood board you know what i mean like oh i really feel like surfing like that today flowing yeah like i'm just i just want to relax like i don't want to get my ct on I want to get my torn Martin on. Yeah. You know what I mean? Totally. Um, That is true. And I get my CT mindset at home when I have other boards in the room that I'm looking at. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to go shred today. And I'll grab that board, go surf it, have a Midland experience. like Midland. Fair to Midland, (laughs) you know? And then go... I'll come home and I look at the mid-length and I go, dude, I want to take that out again. And I take the mid-length out and have a blast. And then I go, why am I doing anything else? Yeah. Why am I trying to go shred at the pier? Yeah. You know? So um, I'm a big fan of the board and it's going to be a mainstay in my quiver for a long time. And it's built bulletproof. Like the thing's heavy, I'm thick glass. I'm going to text Ryan right now. I know it's finished. I just got to go pick it up, I guess. Oh. 
Well, that's cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked psyched at the on board, it. And I looked at the board. The board looks sexy. I, I'm digging it. It sounds to me like the fins and the channels are allowing for a lot of drive. There's a lot of totally. water pushing against those fins, and you're getting a lot of um, acceleration out of it. So that's pretty cool. Which is, you could almost, certain parts of the my approach on that board are like a single fin, but this has way more responsiveness and drive than a single fin ever has in my my experience you know like the benefit of the single fin being it draws out your surfing and forces you to reset your fundamentals this does that but then i can also like really drive the thing yeah and yeah i just i love it i'm having a blast on it i'm stoked to hear that and mostly in head high waves Torin did say he could surf it in one foot waves i don't have as much fun in the smaller stuff but like head high i'm loving that thing you're getting me excited for my new board i need to go get that thing yeah. And I'll do a report. Perfect. Uh, we got an email from a gentleman named Kyle, which was really well written. And basically, to summarize his email, he be- it's in regards to our discussion of the longboard final at Noosa, the WSL longboard final at Noosa between Justin Cantal and is it Steven Seward or Sawyer? Sawyer. And... Um, and basically, he said, hey, I'm going to summarize what Kyle, he wrote a nice long email. Basically, he said, the waves should dictate how you surf and by extension, what you surf on. And what I wrote back to Kyle is that that's absolutely correct. This is a great point. The waves should dictate equipment choice. There's no doubt about it. And if that's the case and we want to see uh, great classic longboarding as as is written in the judge's criteria, then they need to, and will continue to, I think, have these events where when you look at the waves and they're good, they still dictate that the board of choice uh, could be and probably should be a classic longboard. So that means let's have these, as we discussed, at locations such as Noosa, such as that wave in, is it China or Taiwan? Taiwan, yeah. Taiwan, um, such as Malibu, um, you know, whatever else, you know, I'm sure there's a million other really great longboard waves. San Onofre um, Church kind of comes to mind. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs. Your time and capital are precious. And there is a powerful resource that can help you focus on what you're good at and integrate people into your team seamlessly to help grow your business. LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to find the right professionals for your team efficiently and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. Everyone is already on LinkedIn with their resumes and references. And now LinkedIn has designed a hiring platform to connect you with candidates specifically qualified for the job that you post about. More than a billion professionals meticulously organized to connect people by skill set to help us all advance our position. 2.5 million businesses already use LinkedIn for hiring, and 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. It's that fast, easy to use, and effective. LinkedIn Jobs can help you write job descriptions, filter the right person to you, and give you the tools to help you interview them like a pro. LinkedInjobs.com slash surf is where you go to post your job for free. Yes, totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. 
So anyway. I feel like Kyle was almost making an argument that they're, they go classic when the waves call for it, but they can go two plus one high performance longboarding when the waves call for it. Yeah, but see, and you were arguing yeah, back. Exactly. There's no point for a two plus one. Like, exactly. Put the events in classic longboard waves. And if there should arise a case where the two plus one makes sense, you should just be riding a shortboard. Exactly. So you're saying there's no use for a two plus one well, in any scenario. Because what he's saying is the waves should dictate how exactly. you surf and by extension what you surf. And so if the waves are good yeah. and then you and you want to surf great, I guess it's like what is great surfing? Exactly. You know, the age old question. But um, yeah, I was, I was, I did state that, and yeah. I think that's the truth. You know, I did too. Now look, if you're, if you're just in the mood to get your high pro longboard on, more power to you. But in regards to the contest, the context of a contest situation, they need to have these events where the only choice is for the classic longboard style, as the criteria today suggests. Yeah. Well, you just made the caveat of if you want to get your high performance two plus one on more power to you but be real is there ever a scenario where that is the right board choice well it, it's a personal thing it's like your torn martin board it's like look mm. you're gonna you're gonna look at it and go you know what i feel like getting my torrent on okay you know like i mean that's kind of up to you like you might say hey yeah you know what my two plus one at eight foot port escondido seems like a good idea go Nobody, get them no but make a make an expert opinion here is there ever a scenario where that is the right board well, yeah, I mean, I, I would say that my feeling is me personally, yes, is that there is an, there is a place for a longboard with a performance tucked in tucked under edge in the tail. Okay, that is a single fin for me. Okay, I have two plus ones that I don't even ride the two. I just put it. I make it a single fin, and there are situations. In fact, I can't even ride. I can ride, but I don't wish to ride those tail dragger longboards that all the hipster guys ride. Because they don't do bottom turns. And frankly, all I have left is my bottom turn. You got the hand jive. Well, that too. But it looks way better when you're actually <laughs> doing a turn. If you're just standing there and doing the hand jive, it begs the question, why even paddle out? Just do your hand jive on the sand. Well, I could argue against that. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Good email. Nevertheless. Yeah, Kyle wrote a great email. Um, I noticed in your notes something that was in my notes too. Oh. Lori Towner's big wave gripe. Yeah, go for it. Lead the way. Lori so, Towner's holding a resentment. That was my title. Yeah, perfect. So I'll read some of the um, excerpts from Lori Towner's email. This was about two days ago. It's an Insta, right? Yes, I'm sorry. Insta. Um, Lori Towner, by the way, um, used to be a sponsored pro coming out of, um, I guess, Yamba area in Australia and really had kind of the full package, like big wave charger, did massive airs, great power foundation kind of fundamentals. And then post-recession um, got cut along with 99% of all other pro surfers. So he's been making a living outside of the surf industry, raising a family, and uh, but still absolutely charging and ends up on the best swells around the world every year. And uh, last year at Cloudbreak, the day of the decade, ends up getting one of the best waves, if not the best wave of that swell. Cover shot on Surfing World magazine, all that sort of stuff. Um, I was supposed to record a podcast with him while I was there a month ago, and I got deathly ill and spent the weekend in bed, so wasn't able to, unfortunately. But at any rate, he took to Instagram and said, I feel for surfers who have 
to keep a corporate have to keep the corporate wankers happy. I'm a bit bummed, but in some ways happy that this wave, he's referring to his wave at Cloudbreak, didn't make the top five nominees for the WSL Big Wave Awards. After Surfer Mag didn't put this wave in their top five for barrels of the year, beaten by three-foot Skeleton Bay waves, I knew there was no way this wave would make the top five of the big wave nominations because the cor- because of corporate BS. What's the surf industry going to get out of Lori Towner? The reason I'm somewhat happy is because all my life, I've thought it would be amazing to have a ride of the year next to my name. I know now that it's a meaningless award chosen by kooks with no idea. Winning awards would be in some big wave surfers' contracts. It used to be in mine, and it truly sucks for the surfers trying to make a career out of riding big waves. Lucky for me, that means nothing now. Although the money would have been nice, if I made the top five, it reassures me. Uh, if I made the top five, it reassures me I want nothing to do with winning awards. I will never enter a wave again. And if I do ride another bomb, which I will, uh, basically saying, if I ride another bomb, I'll never enter it into this contest. This wave is my ride of the year, maybe the ride of my life, and no one can take that away from me. To all those up-and-coming big wave surfers, F the big wave awards. Do it for yourself and no one else. Sorry if I'm being negative. I'm not the only one who feels a little hard done by this year's nominations. There's only a handful of this is uh there is a handful of terrible decisions i just want what's best for the future of young big wave surfers and this needs to get fixed honestly wsl get toe waves out of the ride of the year nominations you shouldn't be helped by a jet ski it's hard to think that an unmade wave can be the ride of the year well grant twiggy baker might be an exception haha because grant barely missed didn't make his wave and it is remarkable yeah, so interesting Instagram rant there, or I don't know if rant's the right word, but um, here's my take on it. Um, I went back this morning and watched the five Rides of the Year Award uh, nominees. Look at you doing due diligence. By the way, um, it used to be, as you recall, they used to send me and a lot of other people the, um, the nominees, and we would judge them. We would vote on them. And I never got one of those this year. And I think either they're over me, which is fine. <laughs> but I got a feeling that the WSL just took it all in-house. Um, but anyway, regardless, I looked, as I do every year, at the nominees. And Grant Twiggy Baker's wave that you just mentioned, um, he didn't make it. It's that incredible, one of the first waves from the Jaws event. It may be the first wave. It was insane. Knifed it Almost in. made it. Massive barrel. You see him come out and yeah. get steamrolled at the end. I mean, he. I didn't think he'd get anywhere near that close to making it. It was a wave that had the entire surfing population that was watching that live stand up and scream. Yeah. the Every step of the way was just on his toes, like barely, barely hanging on. Remarkable. However, he didn't make it. Nope. And I would agree with Lori Towner. I think you have to fucking, excuse me, where's the cuss jar? I think you have to make the wave. I mean, if I'm surfing in a WSL event at yep. two foot D-bar, I have to make the wave. Totally. So you got to make the wave. Yep. Wipeouts don't count. If you don't come out with your hands in the air screaming, doesn't matter. Yep. The next wave, 
But by the way, Grant's wave is insane. I'm not taking away. I'm just saying, like, let's just make it simple for everyone and just say right now, cut and dried, you have to make the wave. Yep. That way we don't have this issue. Yep. Maxto Gonzalez, the next one of the five. It's that tube that he gets on the left at Nazare. Nailed it. Nazare. It's... It's a groundbreaking wave. It was during competition. He gets completely backdoor tubed and spit out at Nazare, which I don't think we've ever seen before. Yeah. Have we? I don't remember. A paddling tube? Not. I can't recall one. Not when it's bombing. On that inside sandbar, people do. but It was gnarly, right? Yeah, crazy. However, it wasn't as long. It might have been as mean. It's more unpredictable, for sure. Unpredictable and and meaty and and anyway it was a groundbreaking wave that wave to me is in the running for ride of the year yep billy kemper's wave at jaws i think the same heat as grant baker's not quite as gnarly but just as gnarly didn't make it an insane tube he didn't make it in fact he didn't even come as close as grant twiggy baker did so you can't put that in that that doesn't count you got to make it uh kai lenny at jaws Pretty incredible ride. Towing in, does like a four-story drop, air drop, hell drop. He towed in. A towing wave cannot be in the ride of the year, which brings me to another point. They've taken some of the categories away from it this year. I don't think the towing should be a ride of the year. I think towing in is a different category. Totally agree. I'm not saying we shouldn't have towing. I'm just saying towing is a different category. Totally agree. Ramon Navarro's wave at Cloudbreak must have been the same day. It was insane. It looked like, as did Laurie Towner's, it looked like Chopu. But it was Cloudbreak, and it was longer and a little bit thicker and a little bit more of a roar, I think, than what you get at Cloudbreak. There's a lot more of a reef, like more yeah. just a slightly thinner, more pristine ride than Cloudbreak is like... You have to navigate Cloudbreak. Cloudbreak's the gnarliest wave. When yeah. it's 25 feet, it's just... It's way gnarly. I mean, obviously... Chope, Chope's the drop is gnarly, and then yeah, you hang on. Yeah. Like, Cloudbreak, you have to navigate. Drop is gnarly, and, and then, then you, you have, have, to, have to hang on and navigate and, and ride steer, high. Yeah. So tubes usually like almondy at the exactly. top, that one. Anyway, so I think Ramon Navarro should be in there. So in my mind, if you look at Lori Towners, and I watch Lori Towners over and over, I don't think it's the best angle. The one that they show us, it would have been better if we had more of a straight on view of it. It's kind of a channel angle. Yep. But I can see how Lori Towner has a point. First of all, three of these waves shouldn't even be in this category. By your own standards. By my standards. Kai, Billy, and Grant Baker. All great rides. Don't get me wrong, but I didn't make it. So I think Lori Towner's wave should be in there. I'm surprised it's not. Um, So does he have any credence to his i mean the whole gripe is it's all corporate bs it's all funded by it's probably he was fine mandated by sponsors the corporate money when it was offered to him so i'm kind of calling bullshit on the poor me no but me. but that that part well, whether mean, he takes he the money or not is irrelevant know that going no in. no but he's not acting that way he's saying these things shouldn't be mandated or dictated by corporate money i'm asking you your opinion do the corporations, are they responsible for making these decisions? Are they influencing the awards? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know if the corporations are influencing the awards. I doubt it. I don't think okay, the integrity of the WSL needs to be jeopardized by a few 
corpo guys on a golf course going hey make sure Naxta wave that's what know. i was going to ask you who's nacho gonzalez who's his sponsor and what corporation is pushing his interest probably red bull i don't know i didn't do any of that research i don't I, know i have no idea first of all but i've I only ever think... seen his name in print in regard to these yeah. uh big wave things yeah I have no idea who his sponsors are. I have no idea what he looks like. So maybe they are pushing him because they want to get me to know who he is. Yeah. Um, Ramon Navarro's with Patagonia. Patagonia doesn't sponsor any WSL related anything. So I don't think I that think they're... I think Towner might be with Patagonia. No, he's not. He was on an FCD board in that video, a Fletcher Chouinard design board. Mm. Anyway. He does, full disclosure, Need Essentials provides his wetsuits. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't yeah. know. But, but so, I don't know who provides his boards. But my point is, is that if you're asking me, is there insider trading, right? Which is more or less what you're asking. Which has been the tr- traditional standard in, in the surf world, tradi- traditionally. Traditionally? What do you mean? You're saying that corporations are affecting the outcome of surf contests? Not contests. But award ceremonies. awards. Uh, profile pieces. Profile piece. No, yeah. that's true. I guess there's pay to play. In traditional surf media, 100%. Yes, yeah. that's true. And yeah. it's alleged to have been happening in award shows. Not necessarily this so one that the WSL is doing. Because I didn't get... He wasn't very clear. So you're saying that he's basically saying that, that these guys that I mentioned, these five rides were pushed by corporations. Number one, the Either very first sentence... or indirectly. The very first sentence. I feel... For the surfers who have to keep the corporate wankers happy. Um, that doesn't say anything about the corporate people influencing the judging of this. Though. Okay, there's another one. I knew there was no way this wave would make the top five big wave award nominations because of corporate BS. That's what does the industry going to what is the industry okay, going to so get out of Lori Towner? Okay, so okay, that, that states that he's saying that I didn't get the nomination because there's no upside for the corporations. That's the implication. Right. So the implication is that the corporations are the ones it could be. that are influencing the awards. It wouldn't surprise me at all. I mean, so if that is true, you watch enough Netflix, <laughs> conspiracy billions and home. Or, I, I mean, here's here's what that means. If that is true, it really omissions like this jeopardize the legitimacy of the whole entire award ceremony. You know what I mean? Like, well, let me ask you this: Do you feel like he should his ride should be in the top five rides of the year? Absolutely. Did you read some of the comments from some of his fellow big wave riders that were there that day? Nathan no. Florence, no, a bunch of guys. Um, Albie, Albie never wanted to shy away from commenting, yeah. calling bullshit on Lori. No, they're all in agreement with Lori. Oh, they are. Okay, that they didn't go so far as to say what he's saying or what you're suggesting. But he, all of them said, hey, I was there in the water. That was the gnarliest thing I've ever seen. You are the man. Yeah. This is BS. I can't believe it. Again, part of it, my gut feeling is, is that part of this is due to the angle that this video was taken. You should watch it. Have you seen I, it? I'm very familiar with okay. the wave. Yeah. Don't but I feel like I agree if they were you. a little bit more straight on looking at it, it would have been a little gnarlier. You can't tell how deep he is exactly. from the channel angle, right. but it's. And, it, and it's kind of pulled out. It's pulled back. It's not like real up on him, you know? Yeah. I agree, but we don't have those angles. So we're yeah. working with what we got. But I mean, I'm just. That wave left a lasting impression on me from 2018. Almost but more so than any Grant of those other Twiggy waves. Baker, that yes. left a huge impression totally. on all of us. Totally. So because he didn't make it, does that just mean like, 
Oh, well, I mean, if the I guess the point is, is maybe the criteria should be, did it leave a lasting impression? The criteria is what's the biggest, gnarliest, best written ride. I know ride. what it is, but I'm saying maybe it should be what leaves a lasting impression. No, it needs to be the things that you already said. It needs okay. to be, you have I'm to just, make it I'm not just throwing to. it out there. When you look at these five, you could say they all made a lasting impression. Yeah, they didn't make it. No, but and those one didn't. Was, one of them was Cohen. When I, I mean the but lasting, make a lasting impression. The reason why it leaves a lasting impression is what the criteria needs to be, and the reason why is because if it's the made. gnarliest wave that well, somebody made. made. Yeah, yeah. It was a made ride. So here's the other detail that I was kind of surprised by was that Lori even cares. I, I thought and, that was his biggest downfall. That- and the reason why that surprised me is, do you care? I mean, how much do the WSL Big Wave Awards matter to you? Me personally, yeah. Almost none. None. Um, to me, I mean, it's very close to zero, and that's. I mean, no- I think the rides are great, and I think it's cool they do it, but it's not. But and I might be the wrong demographic. I mean, no, we are the exact demographic, dude. And I, I mean, this is a salient point. If you're feeling that way, I'm feeling that way. The reality is, I'm glad that they put these clips together at the end of the year, and we can kind of review them together and go, "Oh yeah, that was a really rad ride that year." Who wins the award at the end? I don't even remember from year to year. Yeah, I'm glad to see the recap of them, and I'm glad the WSL does the awards. In many ways, but they it doesn't deserve, matter to they me. They all deserve an equal cut. It doesn't matter to me who wins. What and, do you think about that? An yeah, equal I'm fine cut with that. because they're basically all insane. Like they're they're all like radical ride. Like they all deserve. Like there's not one that deserves. You know what I mean? So Lori's gripe is still relevant because he didn't even make the nomination. <laughs> I think I think his gripe is relevant. I think it's unfortunate the way that he put it out there. I think it could have been done a little cleaner. Well, but it was very much him kind of going from off, the heart. Yeah, from the heart, which was cool. You know, but, I mean, I mean, you run the risk of um, sounding sounding whiny when you put post it, stuff it on Instagram. A little whiny, don't you think? Now, does that leave? It's kind of like okay, so don't go if you don't want to. Like my feeling is, if it's all about you catching big waves, then go do it and shut the hell up. Well, so let me ask you that then. Uh, Jim does, style. Does that lessen your admiration for Laurie? No, I, I've always Laurie Towner's insane. He's a great. Okay. I mean, he's a complete charger, and I think he's wonderful. And any of the comments I make here aren't personal. I'm just you and I riffing. We're spitballing, but um, I've I remember Laurie Towner from when he was like cutting his chops on the North Shore in the QS, like one of his first seasons. In, I don't know, 2005 or something. Dude, what about just... Didn't he have a, didn't he have a run-in, too, with the law or something? I don't remember that. Uh-huh. I remember... Maybe that's somebody else. I better retract, redact. No, but I remember later, like even five years ago, four years ago, in the Pipe Masters event, um, dislocating his shoulder on a wipeout, going to the beach, getting it reset, and then paddling back out and... He's a full hell man. Again. There's yeah, no insane. And there's a... I remember a photo of him at Backdoor Pipe or Off the Wall... It was shot from down the beach, down by log cabins, shooting in, and it, he, it was just a mind-blowingly killer deep barrel. Yeah. Anyway, he's always been a charger. I'm a huge fan. So it doesn't lessen your admiration. No, and I just think, he, and I'm not saying don't put out how you feel on Instagram. I just think it could have been crafted a little oh, bit cleaner. Okay. okay. It was very much like he just had a cup of coffee in the morning and went, and went screw this, you know, just and went off and then pushed send without having a significant other go. You know what? Maybe change that sentence to this. Maybe have it say this. Yeah. You know, just like it could have been a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I like, so the risk that you run with doing this sort of a thing publicly is it makes you sound whiny. The benefit of it or the unique kind of 
thing about it is it can also endear you to people by because you're wearing your heart on your sleeve yes. in a very real and raw way. Yes. So, you know, it's a toss up. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's just the wording that is the difference between those two things. Um, I was glad to see it. I don't know. Like it, it highlights the thing of, okay, are the award shows corporately influenced? And if they are, that's worth discussing. Right. I'm not convinced that they are, you know, and I don't really have any evidence to say that they are. Yeah. This is kind of an egregious omission, but that's not new. And that's not necessarily pointing the finger at the corporations. Like the people who are just running the show picked five. And But it is the first year that they didn't. Although I don't think they sent us the nominee. I mean. Maybe you vote on the nominees. We voted on the nominees, I think. Yeah. But you don't pick the nominees. We didn't pick, no. Got it. But uh, here's a bigger question. Okay. Is this better for Lori Towner or better for the WSL Big Wave Awards? Hmm. It's better. It's Lori. Good. It's better for Lori, it's I would say. It's good for the Big Wave Awards. Because it directs attention at them. talking about it. Yeah. I don't think it's bad for them, but no, I think it's, it's better bad. for Lori. Well, I think you it's asked good if it's for both. better. Well, yeah. I just think I guess what I meant to say is the WSL Big Wave Awards benefits from Lori's doing. Yeah, it. yeah, 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 yeah. And so the deeper question is: Is that really what Lori Unless... wanted, or was Lori just trying? No, to No, the... that's not what he wanted. Yeah, so that's my point. Like he he didn't get what he wanted, but the Big Wave Awards got what they wanted. Yeah, attention. Yeah, the person who's silently is it is it Bill? Is it Bill Sharp? Is he the guy that still runs it? I don't know. I have no clue. Look, it. I, I don't think there's any, we have no proof that there's any sort of like corporate influence. Influence. I just don't think, I, I don't think it would be silly. There's just way too many great rides out there. It's, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I can't imagine that would ever even pop up. I, I think it's, I think it's silly. I, I don't, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just okay, a corporate so I'm gonna, shill myself. No, I agree with you. I just find it hard to believe that. Because they're not that big a deal. Although I guess there is incentives in these contracts. But why would... I, I, okay, I so here's... Let me paint a scenario. Yes. Because I agree with you in theory. It seems outrageous to just pick the ones that are corporately influenced and abandon all others. But here's one scenario that I'll let you weigh in on. Let's say you have four out of five nominees selected. And there's a fifth opening. And you've got Lori Towner could be the fifth. Or this other ride that is maybe 80% as good as Lori's. But it is a company that is funding these things that you do, and their team guy, their team manager, reaches out with a phone call and is hounding you, and is like, "Hey, dude, you know this should really be considered for a nomination." They're not saying instead of Lori's, right. they're just saying, "You really double check this email or tr double check this ride, and triple stuff, check it." That stuff happens. Like There's just no just doubt. watch it again. Look at how sick it was. Look at how yeah. deep it was. Yeah, I remember. I mean, even with the Surfer Pole Awards, we we had that issue. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And believe me, there was, I mean, the way that all went down was doors were closed and the editorial staff went into an office and they came out with the winner. That's even more nefarious. <laughs> I don't even think it's that nefarious. I'm not saying that they changed the votes. I'm just saying that it was very, it was a closed door deal. Right. No, but it is, that makes it even more nefarious. I don't even think it has to be that. I think we're all subject to influence from the people that we work with and right. want to see thrive and yeah. all that sort of stuff. Like the ad department guy comes in and goes, hey man. My client just called me. Not again. even that. Just like, hey, <laughs> hey, look at how sick this ride is. How sick is that? You know? Yeah. Just those simple promptings yeah. are almost enough. 
Oh, man, and you've we, got we nobody, have, nobody have, from Lori's PR team reaching out. You we know? had two-hour conversations over this stuff where there would be five guys yelling at each other in a room. Believe me, it, it would get heated. And it was all, but that was never because of influence by, by a client. That was all just the editorial department going, no way, this way. I don't care if you didn't make it. That's an insane ride and it needs to be in there. Yeah. That type of discussion. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Uh, we want to hear what I Kelly- do feel for Lori Downer. Dude, so when I was going to record the podcast with him, he was going to take an hour off work. He's going to take his lunch break to come record Where the does podcast. He work? Uh, I don't remember. I didn't ask, but when they like a steel mill or no, something. no, no, they did. Uh, I think it was like a tile laying tile or something. They did a profile video on him a year or two ago, and he was saying something about doing construction or tile. Um, but I was like, dude, what a badass! He's going to take his lunch break to come do the podcast with me. I really appreciate it. You called in sick. Dude, I you was soft. dying. I honestly couldn't <laughs> this even. This guy's laying tile for a little <laughs> I know, and I'm sleeping. I honestly couldn't even get out of bed. It was crazy how sick I got. Anyways, Kelly Slater weighed in and said. Oh, really? On the Lori Towner thing? Yeah, Kelly said, it can't unfortunately be both ways. Either you're upset or you don't care. Look at it this way. If you had made the 50K, in Oz, you pay over half that in taxes. So wow. it's a lot less than it sounds. And all said and done, when all is said and done. And every one of us wanted to ride a wave like that this year or at some point in our lives. Keep it positive. A win would have pro- wouldn't have proven anything that wasn't already true. Great ride. <laughs> That's a pretty good take. Kelly, as if... Getting half of the 50K is worse than getting none of the 50K. Yeah. Look at this way. <laughs> that point's stupid. Really, but I end up owing money. So just be good with it. Do you remember it. when Aki won that uh, OP challenge in the Mentawise? Yeah. I was there. And he paddled out and goes, hey, but we're all going to split this. Like rather than one of us winning, let's just spit it equally six yeah. ways. And then he, he had, had to, to pay, pay taxes pay. on the full amount. He yeah. ended up losing money. Yeah. I was there. So funny, dude. I remember it. It was all, you know, over a fair dinkum Victoria Bitters on the boat at it's so Macaroni's. Funny. He goes home <laughs> all in good money. Fun. And then all of a sudden, tax man hit him. That's yeah. too bad. Yeah. Well, moving on. Um, we've got, you and I didn't discuss the quick pro. I don't know if you have anything to discuss I from do. that. And then, of course, Bells starts today. I know. Could start. I don't think it's going to start at 2 p.m. our time, but it could start. Could start. It's scheduled uh, day one. Uh, how did your fantasy team do? Good. I won money. No way. Yeah, I got third in my league. You're welcome for uh, helping you edit at the you last minute. But I didn't. I couldn't do that. I couldn't put Freestone in there for Kaya. But I did. This Kaya time. lost immediately. I know. But I put Freestone in this time. I okay. got Freestone on my team. Okay. I don't know if that's a great call at Bells. Well, it's funny you say that. I the only my whole thing with Freestone is that new baby. Fired up. Everyone loves him. He's a great guy and he surfs great. And for three million or a million five or whatever, you know, that the lower rung yeah. of the CT, you're kind of like, I don't know. I mean, his, his, his suiting is, his surfing is suited towards Bells. It's just he doesn't have a track record there yeah. and track record matters at Bells. I totally agree with that. Um, he's on new boards too. Like he's new board sponsor, new everything. Like I agree with you. He's kind of. Yeah, he's I mean, on the if, he's, if he's gonna do it, it's gonna be this year. Like if he's gonna yeah, have a good yeah, year, yeah, I think yeah. this is the year he's gonna have it. That's my gut feeling. Totally. Um, well, let's talk quick pro real quick because my opinion is um, 
Look, Ida Ferreira won that 2019, the season opener, right? Brazilian Storm, it's here. Congratulations to Ida. Congratulations to the Brazilian Storm. And he beat Chloe Andino in really marginal surf at Diba, as everyone saw. And that victory, David, was somewhat controversial, at least in some people's minds. But when I look at Idolo's last wave in comparison to Kaloe's last wave, right, the two scoring aerials, at least from my vantage point, Idolo's spin, the rotation was just lightning fast, incredibly quick and fast. If you blinked your eyes, you could have missed it. It was way more precise. It was more unexpected. Granted, we all knew that he was going to do an aerial at some point, but we didn't know right then he was going to bust out that super quick, precise thing. We thought he was going to do two or three more pumps and then bang it out at the end, right? He didn't telegraph it as much as Kolohe telegraphed his, which I think is an important part of the criteria, Okay. even though it's not in it. It's I not think, in the criteria, but I think it it's influences. it's a nuance that people see. It influences the spontaneity. Right. Influences you. And Idolo's landing was cleaner. And in a gnarly part of the transition at the bottom of the wave, actually not in the transition, and with a flow to it that was smoother. And so, although it was close, I had no problem with the result. When you're just comparing those two maneuvers against each other, I don't disagree with what you're saying, but that's not really the question. The question is, does that wave deserve the score that it got in comparison to the other three scoring waves in the heat? And more, more to the point, was that the best ridden wave of the heat was that the I highest score i think it was a higher it was he i think it was enough of a score to to get him what he needed i do think it was overscored so but i think i think he needed a 6-3 and he got like a 703 or something like that yeah i don't remember the numbers at this point my my thought was you're right with what you just said about those two maneuvers but Kaloe's comboed up wave, I think it was his first score, was the best scoring wave of the heat. When you take the judging criteria under consideration, it's speed, power, flow, among other things, and Kaloe's executed the judging criteria to the greatest degree out of all the rides in that heat. Idolo's wave had amazing elements in it, but it doesn't, it's not the judging, it's not what the judges were asking for in the criteria. It is to a degree, and it deserves a score. It wasn't the best scoring wave of the heat to me. And if you put all those waves side by side, I'd give it to Chloe by half a point, maybe. Like, it's super close. You could argue it either way. I don't know. I'd say Chloe by half a point. The My feeling, mm-hmm. though, is that if we... The reason I'm taking it against Chloe's last wave is because Chloe's last wave was whatever. I think it was like a... I don't even... Let's just say it was a 5-8. And... Idolo's wave, and Idolo needed a 6-3, I think. And Idolo's wave was that much better than the 5-8. It was a point and, so and a he, half better than so he got, my, like I do think he got it. I was surprised at the score he got. I thought that was pretty high. But I thought he just barely yeah. nipped Kolohe. Well, this, it's so close that you really, yeah, it was it, very you, close. if you're going to. Look, my heart goes you out. You have to Kalohe knock out the champ, right? So if you're going to beat. He wasn't the champ. Dude, he's won a bunch. When you put those two guys on paper, uh, Idolo's won a bunch of contests last year. I agree. He's, got, he's the guy coming he's in. The you have to knock him out, though. Gabe's the champ. You have to knock him out. I don't know about that. I don't think... I agree with you. you got to knock out the champ, but he wasn't the champ. Okay. Well, I thought the more egregious judging errors were in previous heats. Like, I thought... Which we haven't seen in a solid year. 
of like judging being kind of this dubious. The semifinal heat against Jordy, I thought Jordy smoked him. Not smoked him, but beat him by a point or two, you know? Um, the Connor Coffin turn should have beat John John Florence in that heat. Do you remember that? Gotta beat the champ. Gotta there you there you go. Yeah. So there was a number of judging yeah. questions along the way where it was like, really? And then the final, I feel like everybody was hypercritical of the final because they had been feeling it in the Jordy heat and the other heats. Yeah. But I agree with you. Like we don't need to belabor the judging in the final because it is close enough to where it could have gone either way. Yeah. But the Jordy heat, I was like. I thought Jordy shredded and had all the speed, power, flow, had all of the critical, the spontaneity. Jordy's air was way gnarlier than Idolo's air. Um, At this point, how frustrated is Jordy with the whole system? I don't think he is. I think Jordy looks renewed and completely fresh. Like, he looked, in this event, I thought he looked more poised for a win than I've seen him look in a long time. And the waves were... after the event. After no, getting, I think he's he still disappointed in the semifinal. Didn't walk. seem to be. I, I mean, honestly, and you would never expect Jordy to surf well at waist high Deba. I mean, well, but not on as good as the lightweight dudes. Yeah. So going into Bells, I see Jordy bringing all of that momentum and just going hand. What did you think of the celebration when Elo won? I didn't see it. Oh, you didn't see it? No. Okay. Did he go nuts? Well, it wasn't just him. It was the whole Brazilian storm thing. Like, yeah, like, like, uh, I mean, it was just the Brazilian storm thing. Yeah. Does that rub you the wrong way? Um, or is it hypocritical? Per- personally, it's not my sensibility. Right. So it does, but I get it. Yeah. No judgment. Yeah. And I understand like culturally the differences and it's all good. I guess Mike, I think you really hit it on the head there because do you think it's the responsibility of the Brazilian fan base to understand the cultural nuance and and adjust your reaction accordingly? Or no, okay, they're not um, I mean, offending the local culture. It's not like it's in Japan where right. you know, like their celebration isn't an offense or an affront to Australian culture. Right? I don't know. I'm, no, I'm not sure. It's not. I think there's some Australians that are like, dude, calm, calm down. Yeah, but it's not an affront. Okay. You disagree? I don't know. I you were offended. Know. Well, I, I find it hypocritical because of me to say that because I would be the first one that would be like chanting USA, USA, <laughs> USA. But I do know this. Wearing your speed. Your- when the WSL <laughs> puts out that Brazilian storm video, which is like. Hopefully it's as good as I remember it when they showed me a little teaser of it. It's going to be good. They enraged your patriotism with this that video. This is good. This is good. Yeah, of course it this is. is a good, it's like Ryder it. Cup. Yeah. This is the because deep down I've kind of sensed that the only way that North America surfing is ever going to be able to conquer Brazil's stranglehold is through a sense of national purpose now that's going to be hard to do because we are in an individual sport yeah but brazil seems to have done it and um and i think to get the masses motivated here in north america there needs to be a sense of hey this is them against us not me against that guy in that heat because i think that 
I think that's the sense with the Brazilians. Don't they sort of travel in packs together on tour? Or are they starting are they starting to get separated and segregated by fame and fortune? Maybe I do think that's true. Yeah. You mean Gabe Medina? Felipe. <laughs> Felipe. Felipe's such a nice guy. Uh so it all starts here, Scott. Yeah. Um you need to start really flying Chloe and Griffin's flag. If you, I mean that Abandon your love for anybody else and just commit solely to the American Patriots. That's not a bad point. It's actually something I was thinking about this morning. Was it? Like I, I, yeah. And I actually do root for Chloe Andino. Like I want him to do well. Because I think that he's, I think he's gone through a lot. I think he's matured a lot. He seems very reasonable when he's on the microphone. He He seems like a great man. And, um, and I know his parents are, you know, good, good. I So I guess I'm okay with rooting for Chloe. Like, I, I, I am a fan. Like, there's nothing not to like, you know. And? So and, why? And Griffin, I've always... So Griffin, I've always been a fan of. My point is, though, if you're going to do what you said, it is at the behest of all... Like, you... Even though you might prefer... Kanoa's surfing or Idolo surfing. That doesn't even matter. You pick Kaloe because he's American. Right. That's what you need to do. Right. If you're going to do what you say. You're right. So, Which abandon- is what I would do if I was like watching Ryder Cup or something. That's right? what you do with Kelly. Yeah. Well, Kelly, but Kelly surfs insane too. No, Kelly, dude, you're not going to pick Kelly for Deba. Like you're, you know, Kelly's not going to win Deba. But your your heart is with him, so you're always going to root if for Kelly him. Kelly would have went left instead of going right on those shitty little soft rights and that. I don't know if you saw his first round. Of heat. course I did. And his second round. Heat. Yeah, it was sad. Why was he going right? He had he saw Ricardo Christie get a wave in the previous heat on that same exact sandbar, uh-huh. right? And that's how Ricardo won that heat. And so Kelly went out there trying to find that wave, and it never transpired. Um, do you remember that um, power gouge under the lip that he did in round one? Vaguely. All right, then. Forget about it. It was worth discussing if you, if you remembered I, I do, it well. I do, yeah. I mean, I watched the heat. Like intently. Yeah. Well, it was. It was like a week and a half ago or something. Two yeah. Weeks? Yeah. Yeah. It was. Nobody really. Um. I got into one internet conversation with somebody about it. Like, I think Pete Mel was in the booth at the time, and he loved that turn, and he hyped it. And to me, it was so indicative of everything else that's happening with Kelly on tour. It like summed it all up for me in one turn, and I was like, oh. Yep, we're done here. I agree. I kind of felt like that's all he's got. So, well, what? It, let, let me break it down. What I'm saying. I mean, it was insane. It was just no. It wasn't. It no, wasn't it was insane. Just standard Kelly. It was just like here's what 2004 happened. Kelly. Here's what happened, dude. He gets a sick right, and he's going tons of speed, tons of momentum, tons of telegraphing, and the thing, the section is super steep and critical. Yeah, like. I would have tried to check stall and get a head dip, but any of those guys are gonna <laughs> a chop hop dip. Exactly, any of those guys. Well, let me and Felipe, right? Even Pedersen Crisanto, who's in the heat with him at that time, Josh Kerr back in the day. Any of those John John Florence would have looked at that coping full speed, fully critical, beyond vert, and they would have gone for broke. Mikey Wright would have flown 20 feet into the air with that coping. So you're looking at Kelly full speed. This section's coming, but it was also so steep and critical that you're going to have to really go for broke. And you might actually break an ankle or something. But that is a section that John John Florence salivates over and goes to sleep dreaming of. And I see it all coming together in this split second. And what does Kelly do? 
pulls the e-brake. I saw he goes, that. He goes right up under the lip and then doesn't, where a lot of guys would go like club sandwich turn up and upside down, or guys would fly through the lip and into the flats. Kelly goes right up under the lip and then slams it into like a power gouge e-brake. But it wasn't even a power gouge. Like, because if... Um, Michelle, it, shouldered, it shouldered out real quick too yeah it went deep real quick so yeah. it like didn't throw a lot of spray. it was just a check turn under the lip like a disguised as a power gouge you know it was an e-brake turn it, you is know what, what it was. was it was a section where he could have done that 360 carve that totally. he does so well he was going too fast almost i thought that's what he could he could have done, done it could have went bang yeah but he might have been too and that would have been sick but the fact that he avoided the critical section on that made me go that's the difference between the 22-year-olds on tour who dream for that section and they're willing to go into the flats with it versus where Kelly's at in his career because it is a liability to do those things. And it was cool. Like, it was improvised. I love that the turn was improvised. I love that we hadn't seen it before, but it wasn't what we want. It wasn't progressing the sport. It wasn't, and it was the best section possible for somebody like Felipe. So I saw that, and then Pete, took an optimistic spin and was like oh power gouge you know that was a throwback and that was radical and only kelly would have thought of that it's like well because he's considering his nursing his limb is why he thought about that turn you know so i thought the judges scored it correctly this judges people thought like oh it could go into the excellent range and then they ended up I getting think it they a, said that I think yeah they might have said that and then it got like a five eight and i was yeah. like perfect judges nailed it because it wasn't an eight point ride no but people because it's kelly they might give it an eight point ride yeah, I I do remember that watching that and kind of I just remember kind of going, man, it's like two thousand four. Like yeah. that's it. Yep. Which again, I started because he needed a score, right? Right. He needed a of big course. score. Yeah, he lost both first yeah. and second round heats. So I started all of this by saying, "Oof!" That summarized what I'm concerned about is happening with Kelly, kind of in this later phase in his career. It really all in one turn. It was like, oh crap i want to see him bring the a game he'll bring the a game when it's, it's just when the waves are good he needs, when it's he eight needs, foot yeah. bells he is gonna be the guy to beat no question about it let's hope his eight foot bells i know well that's the problem is the tour isn't all dream okay, here's my question to you yeah do i take kelly off of my team and put chloe and dino on my team yes to north america yes really yep <laughs> okay i would do it based on Moment, momentum. Do I take Kelly Slater off my team and put Connor Coffin on my team? That's North American. That's um, diff- more difficult to answer. Connor is suited for Bells, but he doesn't have the momentum of Kaloe and he doesn't have the track record of Kelly. Kelly, again, Bells is all track record dependent. I've got a couple North Americans on my team. Is Kanoa North American? He's Japanese flag now. Oh. All right. Well, I've got Griffin and Slater. That's pretty American. Yeah, and Griffin could win the event. I mean, Griffin's insane out there. Um, must see moment. Must Lori Towner. You guys should watch. Go to the Big Wave World Tour and watch the nominees, and then go. I guess you could probably Google Lori Towner's Instagram account. It's just at Lori Towner. At Lori Towner, and check out the video. Because it's worth taking a peek. I mean, it's worth rewatching, regardless of the kerfuffle. Like it's and we want to know out there. Let us know if you think that the wave has to be made for it to even be considered a ride of the year. Totally. My uh, must see happy moment 
presented by Spy Optic. Use promo code podcast. Get yourself. My musty moment is also happy and is also presented by Spy. Yeah. Laurie exactly. Tanner. Exactly. But yeah, Spy supports the show. So support Spy. Use promo code podcast. Um, and that directly keeps us in business. But my must-see moment is kind of unusual. I randomly stumbled upon it on Amazon Prime. Documentary called Beautiful Losers. Did you ever see this? I don't think so. It's a documentary that follows a bunch of um, counterculture artists in New York City, one of whom is Thomas Campbell, another of whom is Shepard Ferry. So um, I say counterculture. It's just surf culture, skate culture, artists kind of doing their own thing with zero financial incentive at the time and even no like social accolade and no Instagram love at the time. Um, It just follows them doing their work and kind of influencing a subculture that is relevant now. I mean, it's certainly relevant to you and I, but it's interesting to see it kind of done back then when it was done. You know, it's not a documentary made now that's reflecting on a movement. It's actually a little bit older taking place at the time of, um, so beautiful losers on Amazon prime. You should check that out. I've got a kook. Um, and it's alleged. (laughs) (laughs) It's an alleged kook. Best kind of kook. I'm sure you saw it. I mean, arguably the, um, craziest Instagram video I've ever seen on kook of the day. The, footage at malibu where it's super duper crowded there's people paddling everywhere there's three people on one wave the guy in the front has a dog on the tip of the surfboard so there's a dog surfing with a dude and then the dude behind him is on a foil stand-up paddleboard you're kidding you haven't seen this clip oh my gosh it's ridiculous oh my god so they're and then they're being burned by a third guy. So the fir- third guy's kind of falling. The guy with the dog's trying to navigate. The guy with the stand-up paddle foil board is in the back, like, pumping in the whitewash, trying to, like, make it to the section. And there's people all in the foreground paddling out oh that they're going to have to dodge. It's a, it's a circus. And what happens is the foil boarder, in his kind of intent to catch up to the face of the wave there's somebody paddling out and he's about to run right into the guy paddling out. So he jumps off the foil and actually lands on the guy who's paddling out and the foil gets projected up in the air. Looks like it goes out of harm's way. Like it doesn't actually hit the guy, but it was going to cut straight into the guy paddling out. It was going to, it was going to foil fillet him right down the middle. And because the rider jumps off of it, it projects it to the side and he ends up landing on the guy who's paddling out. All the comments are claiming that the guy riding the foil is Jeff Clark. Oh, really? Yeah. So I haven't validated whether or not it is him. But the ones who don't know who it is are like, get that foil, stand up foiler out of the lineup in Malibu. Almost ignoring the fact that there was a dog on a board on the other on the other board. Um, But it was like clearly I don't care who you are. You should not be stand up foiling in Mal at Malibu. When it's that crowded or ever, period, blank, end of sentence. You know what I mean? But if it is Jeff Clark, ouch. Like that's He's catching a ton of heat. And if it isn't, sorry, Jeff Clark, that's a bummer that you're getting all the heat. Or maybe he's been out there on a foil in the past, and so people are assuming that it's him. I have no idea. But it's the kookiest clip I've ever seen in my life for 30 reasons. All right. So, Fair enough. Well, we've got the boardroom show coming up and the California Gold Surf Auction, of course. And we have four tickets remaining for the exclusive VIP dinner with Wayne Lynch, including a shaped blank during the Icons of Foam. By the way, 
Oh, let me finish my sentence. The icons of foam. <laughs> I even interrupt myself, David. <laughs> so it's a unique skill set you got there. I know. Thank you. The icons of foam uh, shape off honoring Wayne Lynch. Right. So we've got eight shapers. Um, let's see if I can remember them. Travis Reynolds, the defending champion. John Opito from New Jersey. Jordan Brazzi from Virginia Beach. Um, Steve Brom from Galetta. Is it Galita or Galetta? Galita. Galita. Of course it is. I was just testing you. Uh, Ryan Birch from Encinitas. Uh, Dan Mann. Kelly Slater, Shaper. One of them. Um, and Daniel Thompson. Another one of Kelly Slater's Shapers. And Shima Buttonshaw. Nailed it. So those are the eight Shapers that are going to be competing for $1,000. But one of uh, round one of uh, the Shape Off, if, you, if, you, if you're one of the VIP, um, exclusive VIP diners, you'll get one of the round one Shape Off shaped blanks. So exclusive VIP dinner with Wayne Lynch. Live music, which I'm really excited about. Super good musicians. It's going to be a fun night. It's $500 for a three-course meal, um, exclusive intimate evening, you and seven others uh, having dinner with Wayne Lynch. And, and a shaved a, blank. And a shaved blank. And some other Patagonia Gucci stuff. And Gucci? No, Patagonia swag. <laughs> Patagucci? And boardroom Gucci. Some boardroom stuff. Awesome. Maybe a t-shirt that says... I'd say yes, Johnny, but you ride a wave storm. <laughs> Have you ever had any article of clothing from Gucci? I may have, but I can't say that I recall. Like, yeah. I've never purchased one, but I may have picked one up. You know. Randomly? <laughs> like, what are you talking about, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. The answer is no. I don't know. Gucci, well, I we had Gucci on the mind right now. Uh, and then um, the California Gold Surf Auction, all 74 lots have been uploaded to the auction site so you can preview we have high resolution images so it's real easy to go on there and take a look at everything you can click on the images and blow them up download the app california gold surf auction download it and you can bid from anywhere in the world on your laptop or ipad or iphone or pc and of course we will ship it to you ship the items to you and um yeah the boardroom show are you excited i'm super excited we've got a killer the boardroom talks We've got panel discussions this year. Let me rip through those real quick. Saturday, May 4th, the boardroom talks include Shaping the Industry, which is going to have on the panel Dana Brown, Bing Copeland, Dick Matz. He doesn't know it yet. I'm about to ask him. (laughs) And Don Craig. Um, the WSL's Next Steps is another panel with Pat O'Connell, the commissioner, Devin Howard, Longboard Commissioner, Josh Kerr, the Airborne Airborne Commissioner, and the Vice President of Communications for the WSL, Dave Prodan. And they're going to discuss the evolution of professional surfing. The title commissioner is a good title. I want to be the commissioner of something. Commissioner Chop Hop. It sounds so <laughs> official and like important. And you yeah. lord over a bunch of people and yeah. tell them what to do. Commissioner Gordon, of course, right. is Metropolis. my association. Yeah. Yeah. A chat with a legend uh, takes place on Saturday as well. That's Wayne Lynch. He's going to sit down and we're going to have an in depth question and answer session with him. Then going bigger is Big Wave Chargers, JoJo Roper, and 
former Commissioner Gary Linden and others are going to talk about the evolution of big wave safety techniques and how they're taking heavy water adventures to all new heights. And then on Sunday, the 100 Wave Challenge, Damian Hobgood, Duke Ipa, and Josh Paskowitz talk about the inspirational 100 Wave Challenge. And then also the Surf Club Reborn, Darren Brillhart and friends are going to chat about the popular new West Coast Board Riders Club series, which is taking off here on the West Coast. And much needed. Emulating sort of what's been happening in Australia for decades. This is going to bolster your patriotism idea. It is. It really right. will. And the whole thing is presented and moderated by Chris Morrow from the People Who Surf podcast. So if you're into podcasts, and I'm sure you are if you're listening to this one, check out Chris's People Who Surf podcast. Chris, former editor at Surfer Magazine, who was also at the Surfer Magazine reunion the other night. Uh, running a good Instagram account in conjunction with the podcast, too. Like, really like in-depth. podcast. Really in-depth. Instagram. Is it like that? It feels yeah. like the opposite of that, actually. <laughs> oh like, highly People in- People love the spit Instagram. Hey, highly in-depth history lessons with Well, that's not sharp- what spit is. That's my point. I'm telling you. It's not supposed to be that. With okay, how about sharp imagery? In focus <laughs> in focus uh, imagery. Imagery has to be tack sharp. To... It just needs to be in focus. Let me see. Or What's the how way? about this? Imagery that relates to what the caption is about. How's that? What? <laughs> You have no. no this see, is all supposed to be a promotion for Chris Morrow, and you're making it about yourself. Dude. I'm trying to pull up the latest spit podcast. Yeah. Anyway, uh, that's all we have for you today. So, but if you want to go to the boardroom or the California Gold Surf Auction, um, go to boardroomshow.com. And come next month. Uh, Scott and I will both be at the boardroom show, so come by, say hi. Yes. Scott will um, give you all the secrets to perfecting a cup of oolong. This is true. <laughs> You'll smell the oolong on his breath. Do you know who Mike Lambrizi is? Of course. I'm interviewing Mike Lambrizi for the next Boardroom Podcast. I'm excited. He's got a lot of opinions about pro surfing. So it's I would love to hear that. And um, still shredding, too. Oh, yeah. I've got some great, not great, but I've got a couple of Mike Lambrizi anecdotes that I'll share later. Looking forward to it. Yeah. Until next time, adios and aloha. The trap you'd and the use you before you even know. For love is blind and you're far too kind. Don't ever let it show. I wish that I knew what I know now. When I was younger, I wish that I knew what I know now. When I was stronger, the can can such a pretty show.
you are not. 